Hey listeners, welcome back to another awesome episode of Being at Work. I'm your host, Andrea Butcher, and I'm fired up about the conversation with today's guest. She has become such a dear friend over the last few months, and I can't think of any better way to be at work than to lead in an environment in which we feel comfortable telling our stories. Gary V says, no matter what you do, your job is to tell your story. And no doubt you get the importance of telling your story and encouraging others to do the same. But how do you tell your story in a way that has the greatest impact? How do you tell your story in a way that's real and heartfelt and helpful? Well, today's guest is going to help us with that. Emily Sutherland is a professional storyteller who has written for television, documentaries, books, magazines, leadership development, and marketing materials for businesses and nonprofit organizations. Since 2017, she's run her own writing business to help people write their stories and has created storytelling classes and an online masterclass to teach others how to write their stories. So today, she's going to provide us with some tips on storytelling for leaders. And throughout the rest of this month, Emily will take over our daily doses of leadership. So continue to tune in every Tuesday to learn how you can most effectively tell your story. Check it out. I grew up in a family of storytellers. So our evening entertainment might include the TV in the background or may not, but it was almost always about the stories that happened to us that day, the stories we had heard, the funny stories. We used to tease my dad, who was the most enthusiastic storyteller of the family. We used to tease him that he didn't know what it was like to abbreviate a story ever, something I had to learn as a professional later, but he did all the emotions, all the voices. He loved a good story and he would get himself laughing sometimes at his own funny stories. And we would try to keep him from repeating the same stories over and over, but he just couldn't help himself. If he had a good story, he would tell it to his, anybody that would listen several times. <laughs> <laughs> but I think having an atmosphere where story was just what we were about, like we wanted to know when we met somebody what their story was and we were ready to tell hours or portions of hours from funny places we had been or experiences that we had. And my dad moved a lot for his work. He was a pastor and we moved about every three or four years. So we got to know new people often. And all of those new people would all hear the collection of stories that we had up to the time that we met them. And then the next place we'd go, we'd have more. <laughs> and we just built a life where our story was part of daily conversation. And I really think that was a gift to me more than I realized at the time. As a professional, I knew that I wanted to write and I had no idea that storytelling was a thing. It wasn't something that people were talking about when I began my career. It was just a way of life for me, right? Yeah. So I started working as for a minimum wage job at, in an office and that experience was surprising and not in a good way for me because the atmosphere was pretty toxic. And I remember looking around at the people I was working with at the time for, I think it was eight years that I worked there and seeing how women were treated, seeing how people were talking behind one's back and 
there was just a, a culture there that I was like, okay, I want to take this part of my story and not carry these things into whatever I do next. And so when I began to look for my next thing professionally, I just knew I wanted to be a writer and I knew that I didn't want to feel or make anyone feel the way I felt treated by the leaders that I was surrounded with at that time. And none of those leaders spoke about their mistakes or their shortcomings. There were no apologies, those kinds of things. And I thought, you know, I want to take notes here and make sure that I'm learning how to consider the whole person when and if I lead other people. And in the next job that I applied for was for a music company here in Indiana. And I wanted to be a writer, but they were looking for an administrative position. So I wasn't sure that I wanted the job, but I told them I I love writing and that's eventually what I want to do. And they said, well, we need writers and you would be doing a lot of writing in this role. And I honestly didn't think they were telling me the truth because of the toxic environment I had been in before. I just thought, you're just trying to get me here and you're going to have me washing coffee cups, really. And I was proven wrong. They did hire me and I was writing voiceovers within two weeks. And this was a company that valued story. And they valued, rather than downplaying, the power of telling one another about our shortcomings, the things that we've learned along the way. And the leadership there was very open about their story. And that impacted me in a way that I can't even describe in one podcast. It has been a 20 now, 25 year relationship that I still continue, even though I run my own business and I'm not there anymore. I still have people there that feel like family to me because we were allowing our stories not only to be told and known to one another, but to be known to the world and to evolve together. So we, we helped each other have a better story. And that company ended up hiring me to do a lot of ghostwriting for leaders there. And I knew what they wanted to say, and I knew that their story and their heart and what was important to them. And so they would give me the big idea and I would word it for them because they were busy and traveling and they knew that they could trust me to tell it in a way that sounded like them, right? And that was a skill I didn't expect to learn there, but it was has proven to be a helpful skill because a lot of people need that help telling their stories. Mm-hmm. But when you do that, when you tell somebody's story in their voice, you get to know a part of their story that's pretty amazing. And I think all of the now, the current conversations that are happening around storytelling, I'm so glad to see it because I have been impacted by story in a way that makes me really passionate about it, as you can tell. I really, really believe in the power of connecting with people through story. And I don't know how people connect with each other without it. I really don't. Well, and you also have the example of the first work experience in the toxic culture where you said leaders weren't sharing stories about their mistakes or themselves or so there was this guard up. So you've seen the negative impact of not sharing story as well. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and as you were telling that story, I was reminded of a bit of research that we share often. There's a program called the Leadership Challenge, which is a core part of our growth experiences for leaders. It's based on the research by Jim Kuzis and Barry Posner out of Santa Clara University. And one of the stats they share in the practice area called Model the Way is they share research around 
when they go into organizations and they ask the question, what do you most want to know about your leader? The number one response is, who are you? It's not, what are our strategies and what do you expect of me? And what are we going to do? I want to know who you are. I mean, that, as you have said, that's what drives connection and trust. And that's what the research shows. So those leaders in that toxic environment who weren't willing to share those parts of themselves were hindering trust and connection with the people that they were leading. And you felt that as an employee. Absolutely. I think people can sniff out inauthenticity. And I think when the story that we're telling doesn't match the story that we're living, people know. And so it's very important to, rather than trying to come off as a perfect person or the leader that people trust because they do everything perfectly, I think there's a lot of credibility that comes with allowing authenticity to trump perfection Mm -hmm. and to really allow people to see who you really are, the good and the mistakes you've made and the things that you've learned. Yeah. And to say, I'm struggling. Yes. People so appreciate that. Right. I think post-COVID, people are even more in need of that. It's not becoming an optional. Like, that's a nice idea. It's survival to be able to say, I'm not having a good day. I have a lot going right now. Or I have a family member who's ill or who has passed away because of all of the things that have been going on. So I definitely agree with you that sharing the truth is more important than being perfect. Mm, So good. So you've highlighted the value in storytelling. And I think most people get that. But you just said something so important. People can sniff out inauthenticity. So being authentic, being real is an important part of it. Give us some tips on how to tell stories. And a quick clarification also, like the Gary Vee quote that I used in the intro, no matter what you do, your job is to tell your story. So what do we even mean by that? Like, what is my story? My life story? Once upon a time I was born in. What are we talking about when we're talking about tell your story? That's a such a good question. And ever since 2017, I've been helping people write books about their stories. And that's a whole nother story in itself. But the process that we've come to is starting with the end in mind and say, what do I most want somebody to gain from my story? And this can be uh, my micro story that I'm going to share in staff meeting, or this can be the book about my life. Mm. We don't necessarily have to say I was born in a small town in North Carolina to begin our story. We can begin with what is the thing that I want someone to take away from this time that we have together or this opportunity to learn about me or this staff meeting? What is the thing that I want to learn? And then let's think about how we learned that thing. It probably wasn't because we were great at it at first. Maybe so I will give you an example because again, story is more memorable than information, right? So I'll give you an example of a boss that I had one time and he was speaking at a Christmas party for the staff. And he began to talk about when his first job, he began to talk about when he worked at the local grocery store and he was a musician and a creative and he did not really want to be packing meat or whatever it was that he did or packing groceries. But because he had tunes in his head, he had big dreams, he wanted to be a creative. And here he was packing groceries in the grocery store. And he said to the staff, and many of whom were 
you know, people who packed boxes of his product, his music at that point, he had gone on to become what he wanted to be. But every person in that room related to his story about how he wasn't that great some days at that thing because he didn't want to do it. And yet he had to realize that it would help him and everybody around him to do well at whatever he did, because that would follow him and allow him to do the thing he really wanted to do. And every person in the room felt a connection with that kid that was doing the thing that he didn't want to do so that at some point he could do the thing that he dreamed of doing. And I don't even remember all of the details of the story. I just remember feeling like he sees me. He sees that this isn't the final chapter of my career. And yet he values me putting my effort into helping him in his dream at this point in his life. And he's also telling me without saying it out loud that he sees that everybody in that room had dreams of their own. And he was grateful that they were being a part of his at that point. Mm -hmm. To me, that's a great story. He wanted to connect with people as the head and the successful person in the room. He wanted to connect with everybody in the room and most people in the room weren't there yet. And so if he had told us about all of the product he had sold and all the successes and things like that, it would have not connected in a way that said, he understands the place I'm in in my life and, and my work. That to me was a great goal to connect with the people that work for him and to give them a vision beyond packing boxes or answering calls or writing voiceovers. And I think to me, that is an example of how you tell a story. Well, you don't have to, he didn't tell us his whole life story. He told us a story of what, how he learned what he wanted us to learn. Right. And I felt like that was really powerful. How he learned what he wanted us to learn. Well, and that's where, I mean, you say you have to start with, what do you most want people to gain from this story? And so there's a thoughtfulness in that. There's a taking the time to really think through that end in mind. I think a lot of times, because I, I have had stories go awry. <laughs> I've <laughs> we seen all have. others have stories <laughs> go awry. And as I think through that, it's like, yeah, because I didn't really take the time to to get clear on the answer to that question. What do I most want people to gain from this? Yes. Well, I will tell you, I learned that from it going awry a few times and thinking, I didn't know where I was going, <laughs> so it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so I learned that one the hard way too. Yeah, well, case in point, right? We're telling our stories about the things we didn't do so well and no doubt other people can relate to that. 100%. <laughs> so that's something that gets in our way of being effective storytellers. What else? What trips us up when it comes to storytelling? Sure, I think that there's often a fear among leaders that if my staff or my team knows, really knows me and all my ins and outs that, or knows this part of my story that I've kind of kept to myself, that they will have less respect for me. I think that fear of what will happen if I tell the truth about my story, my mistakes, how I got where I am, those kinds of things if I tell the truth, I will lose respect. And I've never heard of that happening. I've never heard of a leader saying to his staff, I've done this wrong 100 times. And here's what happened. Nobody's ever come back and been like, well, I'm not, I can't follow you now. They're always like, oh my goodness, he or she is giving me permission to make mistakes and to learn as well. And I think there's a fear that we're going to lose respect if we tell the truth. And 
the opposite is actually true in real life. Isn't that funny? Yeah. And for that reason, all of the story writing and telling classes that I've created, I always take people through a process at the very beginning of the class to silence the voices in our head that are going to keep us from thinking that we should tell the story that we need to tell mm-hmm. and to tell the story that wants to be told. And we always end up with somebody in tears. We always end up with laughter during this exercise, because what we're doing is we're singling out the voices that are saying, you shouldn't tell that. What would so-and-so say? Who are you to tell that story? Or there's just a million negative critics that sit on our shoulders and try to shut us up. And we have to know and expect that that can happen and will happen when we can begin to consider revealing part of our story that we haven't before, right? And once we identify those voices, not to just let them shut us down, but to contain them, I, we usually have a physical jar that we write those, what they're saying and put that in the jar. And then we tighten that lid on the jar and a physical way to show that we are going to silence those voices and set them aside and tell the story that wants to be written. Because every person that I have ever taught or has ever come through a class that I've done has had something to add to that jar that was trying to keep them from really honestly, authentically telling their story. And it's powerful. And once they've done that, we always write a letter to the voice if we need to. Like, I appreciate the role that you had in my life at the time. I no longer need your advice. Thank you for showing up and goodbye. Or whatever the critic is trying to say that stops them and silences them because the data is clear that story connects people, even in a neurological and and like chemical way, you know, the chemicals that are released in our brain and the connection that happens when we're telling story and hearing story, it's very, it's like a physical and a very emotional way to connect with people. Yeah. Shared experiences. There's so much relatability in that. Yeah. There's a story I tell a lot about my daughter in a theater class when she was 10 years old. She bombed her performance. It was really shaky and really bad. And so there she is up in front of this audience on the the stage. And I thought she was going to run off the stage and cry and but she went ahead and did it. And because she'd practiced, so she had it memorized. She was terrified, but she was able to go ahead. But it was really, really shaky. But she got a standing ovation. And the, I tell the story because it was such a good reminder of what you're saying, you know, that our weakness is a source of strength when we're willing to put it out there for people. None of us were applauding her because she did a good job. We were applauding because she was visibly terrified and she did it anyways. And there's something so powerful about that. There's something so encouraging and inspiring about that. So this, I'm afraid, but I'm going to tell it anyways. And so you've got these exercises, like putting these doubt, fear-based thoughts in this jar. What about, Emily, one of the things for me as a leader, I have been really vocal about some of the challenges I have right now, the overturning of Roe v. Wade is something that has like rocked me to my core. And I had to get really clear for me, what is my point of view and how am I going to lead through that in my life and in my business? And I have been vocal in my sharing my story around how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. Part of my trepidation has been like, oh, how is that going to be perceived? And 
So no doubt that's one of the things that hinders people from telling their story is how's that going to be perceived? You said that earlier, like they're going to see me as weak or not as credible or, I mean, is that the same as those doubt-based thoughts? And how do we navigate through that? Well, I think trying it, tell a little part of your story. You don't have to tell the worst thing that ever happened to you or tell the whole thing. Try a piece of it. Try it in a next meeting and just say how you connect to whatever is happening right now personally and what it means to you. Or if your staff has never heard how you got there and why you care about it, start there and see what happens. Because I think if you try it and just say, I want to tell you a little quick from my life that will help you understand me better and why I care about this thing that we're working on or why I care about this job that I have or this the people that I'm surrounded with. I think trying it, and again, start with that thing. What do you want them to take away? What do you want them to feel? And then find a story from your own life that tells that or helps them connect with that idea or point. And I promise you, it's going to be a lot different than coming to the information armed with an agenda and information and stats. It's speed memorable. Yeah. I love that. Like just find a story from your experiences. Do you carry a journal or something? I mean, are you always on the lookout for good stories? It, it's almost something where I wouldn't sleep at night for a long time. And I do keep paper by my bed because I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would have an idea or I would think of a way to apply a story to something that I was preparing for or whatever. And I would be writing it in the middle of the night. I mean, I can't tell you how many times my husband would wake up and be like, what? Are you okay? And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. Good, good. <laughs> just trying to capture this thing. Just writing a story. Because so often <laughs> if I don't write it down, it's going to be gone. I'll be like, I know I'll remember this in the morning. And then I wouldn't. And I'd be like, oh, why didn't I write it down? So I have so many open tabs and so many half documents that I've just tried to capture ideas that they're in this whole lifetime, I will never run out of stories to tell and, and things to expound on because I do that all the time. So, so far you've given us a lot of tips, the starting with what I most want people to gain, the relatability, the navigating the fear and doubt that's naturally going to pop up you know, just trying a piece of it. I mean, all of these are like what's happening within the leader, your mindset and getting clear on your goal and what about the mechanics of telling the story? What are your favorite tips in that regard? So the process that I usually walk people through in a very abbreviated format is, like I mentioned, starting with what you want them to get out of it and then deciding where to start. So you're going to think about the end, where you're taking them first, and then back it up and say, okay, where can I start that gets their attention? Mm. And so like in the first, for me, in the first chapter of a book, even the first couple sentences of a book, I'm trying to draw interest, peak interest, and like an attention grabbing, and it doesn't have to be sensational or anything, but a simple statement or sentence or two that helps somebody say, oh, I need to pay attention to this. And then every part of the story that you're going to tell needs to be important to that end result. So I almost do it like a path. Here's where I want them to end up. Here's the starting line. What are the connection points that are important about the story that I'm going to tell so that I can have 
that moment at the end where they're like, ah, yeah. So every detail that you share, rather than it being a rabbit trail just to provide all this detail and whatever, is the detail, because we need specific detail. We need the five senses. We need to know what you were seeing or smelling or tasting or feeling or hearing. And using all those senses to, to help the person experience what you experienced along with you. And then at the end, that moment where you're like, oh, yeah. Often it's me too, or thank you. Or what is that thing at the end that says, man, I'm so glad that I heard that or that you shared that. And I know it sounds simplistic, but the way that you get from A to Z on a story can simply be a before, during, and after. Before I learned this thing, here's how things went. I had this moment when I knew that I needed to change this thing. And then here is what happened as a result. Before, during, and after is a simple, one of many simple ways to say what you're trying to say. And to like, here's where I'm going to start. Here's the point at which there was a turning point or a decision or a person that I met or something that happened, this inciting incident that I learned from. And now here was the result. That's a simple and good format to use if you're not sure, like, where do I start? That's one I use a lot. Yeah. And it lends itself to just trying it. I mean, you were talking earlier about find a story from your experience that relates to something important that you want other people to get and just try it. It's so helpful. I heard you say, again, start with what you want to get, then say, okay, where can I start that's really going to get their attention? And then chart a path. I appreciate the journey visual. Like you're kind of taking them along to really bring to life that thing you want them to get. So this, and then in the process ending with this moment at the end that brings it all together where others have that feeling of like, yes, oh, I get that. Me too. I recently had the privilege of helping someone who is a stroke survivor, who is now a life coach. And she helps people who are in life transitions major events in their life. And, and I helped her craft a talk around her story. By the end of working with her, I hadn't known her very long. She reached out via LinkedIn and we hadn't met other than on the phone that day. And she told me her story and sent me a few details. And we created, did what I just said to do, you know, just like here was before the stroke, here was this life-changing thing that like I had to relearn everything. My life was never going to be the same again. She was an athlete, like award-winning athlete. And she had to learn to feed herself again. And now how did that change? And what did she need to know to get her back to where she is? She's speaking for people. She, you would never know to see her that she'd been through all this. You would think she had it easy because she's this very delightful person. No one would meet her and say that she had been through all that she had. By the end of that call with her, I'm crying. I'm like, what a great story. Because she told me her story and I got to, you know, just help her shape it for the public. And I'm sure she will use that talk many, many times to connect with people and say, if you need a life coach or a, somebody that can come alongside of you, if you're feeling stuck and just aren't sure how to move forward, I've been through some stuff and I understand what it feels like to feel overwhelmed and like you just need an advocate. Well, that to me is best sales approach for a life coach I've ever heard. So I would trust her to tell me anything. So that is just one of like an example of a before, during, and after story that before, during, after sounds simplistic, but 
she really did have a, a comeback story and she wants to help other people have a comeback story. And that it didn't take very long. It wasn't a long talk or anything like that, but boy, the impact of that. Well, and it's redemption too. I hear redemption in that. Always. Yes. And I will say this too. One of the books that I wrote for someone that had a really difficult story, it wasn't all buttoned up at the end. And most of our stories don't get buttoned up at the end. And even my friend who had the stroke, her life isn't perfect. She has struggles and insecurities like the rest of us. So even though the stroke patient, she did get better. She did fight her way back and she's doing some amazing things right now. Some of the stories that I've told, like this lady in particular, Ann Byler, who's the founder of Auntie Anne's Pretzels, we wrote her book and it was a really hard story. And at the end of the book, there were some things that were redeeming, many redeeming things, including the building of this international soft pretzel brand that she created out of a really painful story. But the perpetrator in the story, the predator, was never caught, never served time. There were so many things about the story that weren't redeeming. And still, there were redeeming things, things she had learned. And the biggest one of them was, as long as she didn't tell her story, she couldn't get better, she couldn't heal. And the minute she began to tell somebody what had happened to her, that was the moment that she began to feel a light come on. It was dim, but it was there. And so the story wasn't about this happy, redemptive ending that where she saw justice served and things like that. But it's the redemption in her story was the healing that she personally chose and being willing to tell her story in the right place, in the right context, and to the right authorities and people that began to help her not have to bear the story alone. And the redemption in her story was because she told the story, not because everything got better. And that's an important thing for people to remember that if you don't have that happy ending, yes. Absolutely. We heal. We heal through our stories. We heal by telling the story. You know, this is a story-based leadership podcast. And We've hosted over 150 executives over the last three years. And over and over and over, I hear after the experience, these leaders come back and say, thank you so much. Like I have grown so much as I processed that story and told that story. And a lot of leaders have used those words. Mm -hmm. It's been a part of my healing. Every single person that I've ever worked with. That must be so rewarding for you. Goodness, yes. Every single person that I have helped write their story it was life-changing for them. Not because it was me. I got to be the fortunate, like very fortunate, lucky person to be able to assist in telling a lot of people's stories. And it is sacred, holy ground to me when somebody trusts me to help tell their story. But the reason is because I get to tell it to people. It's because I get to see this person's life transform because they tell it and because they share with other people who then will often say, oh my goodness, a similar happen, thing happened to me. And it's so good to know that I can survive it or that somebody else survived it. And it aids in their healing. It does. And it's very contagious. Yeah. The ripple effect. Well, Emily, thank you so much. I mean, you've really highlighted and reinforced the importance of story. You've given us a process to tell our stories. So we are all more empowered now to tell our stories and heal in the process. So thank you so much. My goodness, thank you for having me. It's 
there's obviously nothing I love talking about more or helping people with more. I hope that everyone who's listening will hear or get an idea today that says, you know what, I might be able to connect with people on a different level if I shared this little piece or part of my story. And if one connection is made, I won't have anything else to share. You'll be off and running. Hmm. Well, and I'm looking so forward to learning from your daily doses of leadership. So the next four Tuesdays, you'll be sharing inspiration and encouragement with our listeners. So Can't wait. So thank you. I appreciate the collaboration. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to never miss a being at work story. 